The MX Vice Show. All right, welcome everybody to episode 145 of the NX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for today as we focus mainly on silly season, talk a bit of MXGP, chat about the motocross the nations, the season being wrapped up and also it'll be a good one. Before I welcome my two guests alongside Lorenzo Resta and the MX Vice boss, James Burfield, we'd like to thank our sponsors for this one in Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. Tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Vlandrin Prade, Langenfelder Guadagnini, Jonas Bogers and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross enduro bike. Necken Pro Circuit, FMF. ODI, Cycro, Renthal, Recluse, and many more are in stock, ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. All right, firstly, welcome, Lorenzo. How's life, mate? And thank you for joining us. It's a great pleasure, Ed, to be with you uh, tonight and with James, of course. Uh, everything is going very well. Uh, it took me a while uh, to recover after... The last GP of the season, so this means that I'm feeling really older and older, season after season, as before I was coming back on Monday morning and doing like party till uh, midnight. Now when I'm talk- coming back home, it takes me now 48 hours to recover properly. Then I am start not doing party, but working, so I'm really getting older, but that's my 20th season in motocross world championship, so I think that I'm a little bit excused. Yeah, well said, mate. It's great to have you on again. And James, mate, you were obviously at the GP on the weekend too. How's life? And thank you also for joining us. Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm just slowly recovering from uh, from your intro to Great Bitten. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great Britain. <laughs> I was absolutely pissing myself. <laughs> I think that was part I of I managed to just hold it together. <laughs> I know you're a very, very professional and you're a rattling free recluse. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so yeah, everything's good. I, I'm also going to chuck in there uh, a huge thank you to a Cherubis as well. Um, I got to meet the guys the weekend. Uh, Michaela is absolutely fantastic. Uh, she's a massive supporter of the show and a massive supporter of MX Vice. And I just wanted to give uh, a personal shout out to a Cherubis. 50th anniversary of the of the company. And um, yeah, without those guys, we couldn't be doing this podcast show and everything else. And the Cherubis post-race podcast the weekend were a lot of fun. Um, Lorenzo, it was great to be back at uh, GPs. Um, I, I was a little bit uh, overwhelmed, actually, with... Uh, there's quite a few people that kind of um, <clears throat> missed us at the races. I had loads of random people coming up and, uh, you know, saying that they kind of, like, miss us at the GPs and stuff. So it was really nice to hear. And I just want to thank everybody who came up the weekend just just chatting. I literally nearly, nearly enough lost my voice um, sort of Sunday night from just talking to people. And a big shout out to Wilma Simpson, who I didn't realize Wilma Simpson is uh, Sean Simpson's auntie. And for the past year, she's been, um, you know, buying us, uh, putting five pound a month into MX Vice with our with our coffee, which is ko ficom um, MX Vice. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. I was, I was talking to her for about half an hour and Woody Simpson popped up um, and started talking. So I was like surrounded by uh, some some crazy Scottish people. So, um, so yeah, I just want to thank Wilma and everybody else who um, is basically buying us a coffee each week. But yeah, it was what a weekend. Uh, great racing, great event. Um, the crowd was a little bit down on the Saturday, but the Sunday it was so much better. Really good atmosphere. Um, and we sold out of MX Vice hoodies, Ed. Can you believe it? Yeah, mate. They've <laughs> been flying out. We've had people from Australia, USA. They've all been wanting them, mate. So we need to open up that international shipping ASAP, I think. Yeah, I know. We've um we've had to uh put them into um eBay, funny enough, because uh the global shipping program, because we had so many people in abandoned carts, and I was looking through abandoned carts and it was like <laughs> USA, 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 Australia, Australia. <laughs> it was like crazy. So it was like, right, we better sort our shit out here. It was like, it was more to send out a hoodie than the actual hoodie. And Lorenzo's got one too. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got mine, of course. I was really proud. I was flying away from UK with this hoodie with MX Vice on. I was really looking cool, much younger than my age. And I can tell you on my WeChat flight, booked, completely, fully booked. I was just popping out, you know, like, uh, I don't know, the sun in the airplane. I was really like, everyone was looking at me like, oh my gosh. These guys working for MX Vice, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm really proud to wear this." And, but honestly, That's... I have to say a big thank you, big, big, big thank you, of course, to James that provide me with the, with the fleece. But I have to say thanks to all the guys that I don't understand how they do, but they recognize me when I'm walking the paddock. And uh, it happens often uh, this year. It happens uh, one time that I was so proud. I was with my daughter at the GP for the second time with me in two years. And she was with me and someone said, Lorenzo Resta, can we take a picture? We always listen to your podcast. So first of all, I have to say to everyone, it's not my podcast. It's a mixed vice podcast. It's James podcast, Ed podcast. I'm a guest. But when they told me, we, we, they, they say me, that's your podcast. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. And my daughter was looking at me like an alien and saying, why they want picture with you, dad? And I say, you know, they, I don't know, but they asked me, but I, I was really proud. And in Matterly Basin, it was even incredible better because, you know, James, you, you walk from the media center to the paddock, you, you cross uh, a huge area, plenty that is full of uh, uh, campers and tents and place where you can eat something. And I met a lot of people that say, hey, listen to you. I looking for work for your new, new podcast and stuff like that. And I'm really proud about that. And I have to say thanks to all those guys that recognize me through the voice i don't know how they do but uh, it's quite amazing yeah we have such uh you know it, it, it always kind of baffles me until you go to british gp or you know or different random places lorenzo people just come up to you and say hey listen to you on the podcast um they never say to me though i'm i'm better looking in life so that's a bit of a shame so <laughs> but there we go you can't have it all but no I, i'm super appreciative of uh we got such a great following a real cult following so um you know, it's, it's mega. And I'm glad that they're, uh, they, they love you. I mean, everybody, you can see the messages on social media, which come in and say, oh, Lorenzo on the podcast is awesome. So we just want to personally thank you, Lorenzo, for, for making the time this year. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a you, pleasure. you are one of the team now. I know you have uh, 28 other jobs, that you, uh, but you're definitely <laughs> one of the team. <laughs> but um, it was a pleasure. It, it, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, it was great to be back here. Um, uh, it's great back to be back at the races. It's been a long time for me. I think I missed around about sort of 10 GPs this year. But uh, yeah, it was nice. I kind of uh, got back. I was really excited, full of life, whilst everybody else in the media center was just like ready to like end their life. So <laughs> so tired from a, from a weekend. And I'm just in there like buzzing, you know, like like giving Van der Moos like high fives as he's getting on his bike. He's like, what the fuck's this guy doing? And um, But yeah, I was happy. That's that's so, important, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it was a cracking weekend. Um, you know, Steve Dixon and the team. Uh, I'm sure it's the same with with, with Majora and, and Italian um, GPs that you're kind of connected to, Lorenzo. These guys behind yes. the scenes, uh, yeah. and 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 you, it, what's crazy is literally that it's a, such a small like team of five or six like individuals which which pull together to to, to bring uh, the 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 British GP off and without those guys there is no British GP um Steve's got some really good people behind him like John and Jason you know Michael Austin from big 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 fan world you know these guys are uh you know without them there, there is no no British GP but I've got to say fair play to him because I actually thought at one point they were going to have a breakdown <laughs> <laughs> they were not looking good it was very emotional at one stage as I said hello to them but um, by the weekend, uh, by the end of the weekend, they were fine. So um, yeah, if you went to the British GP, I think you had a, you, you know, you would have really enjoyed it. Racing was was fantastic, and um, it's always good to see uh, see the newly crowned world champions. I think. Yeah, and you know that uh, I'm I'm coming in uh, Matsley Bessin since 2006. That was the first year that they hosted a race there. The first time we went there, I remember everyone was surprised because uh, nobody was expect knew know what I would expect there, you know. And we saw this kind of big valley with a very nice track, but there was nothing around. And we said, okay, we will come here probably one time and never more. 
Then we, you know, we we went back uh, for the second time in 2011, and since that moment, uh, every year, uh, Matali Basin uh, is with us. Uh, we have been in a different period of the year. Normally, like last year, was the first race of the season, and we had to do it twice just to be sure that we did it. But uh, this year was the last one. Uh, I think that uh, is a really a special place to me. Uh, I know a lot of Italians that for them, the best thing that you can find in England is an airplane to come back in Italy. But to me, it's not like that. To me, it's completely the opposite. I love to come there. I love that our Hampshire is looking great. It's romantic. It's nice. It's... And this place, uh, Temple Valley, all that area uh, around Winchester and Winchester also, uh, it's great. It's, to me, it looks like real England and I love to come there every year I'm really able now to to drive on on the right side I mean not on the <laughs> wrong side but whatever and uh, and uh, without having accidents since a long time so it's uh but it's always a pleasure to me honestly it's one of my favorite uh GP of the season yeah it's uh, I mean in a lot of the your chair post race podcast every rider I don't I, I don't I didn't speak to one rider that didn't like the track they they love coming to the track. They love racing the track. In uh, I stood with a couple of them in pit lane, and they're just like, "There, this is like, this is awesome." You know, this is what motocross is about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's just really if we if we can uh, have a kind of uh, uh, example uh, of what motocross is to give to an alien that uh, came for the first time here. Uh, I think we should. Uh, let him see a race in Matali Basin or a picture of Matali Basin or uh, having a lap in Matali Basin, whatever. But as Matali Basin is, and, and I, you know, as you said before, I work with Majora, that is another kind of iconic track. But the atmosphere in, in Matali Basin, it's something unique, probably because it's wide open everywhere around. You have just green and this uh, kind of uh, uh, ribbon of uh in between black and brown that is the track that is going around those valleys it's incredible yeah it's pretty cool obviously the nations are going to be there next year ports are to be believed as well guys so that'll be pretty exciting all the american guys i speak to they always say yeah that's the track i want to race i want to be there so we should see a pretty cool turnout if that's to be the case and obviously we spoke to steve dixon on a it's like a three or four hour podcast wasn't it james and he just given all the insights into what goes on making these events happen and even with jeff emig last week he was given a lot of props to the majora crew and everything they do to make it such an a special event especially going back to that special nations there back in 2016 wasn't it so yeah just the amount of work they do is amazing and be good to see madeley back on the world stage i guess at the nations next year if that happens yeah i think that's the, the rumors which were coming out from the weekend i mean a lot of people were saying that um this it possibly could be um it could be Matley Basin next year. So fingers crossed it all goes to plan and, and that happens because uh, obviously is that, is it the third time Matley, this would be the third Nations at Matley? I think there was 2007 yeah. and... 2006, and maybe 24. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and I think on Steve's podcast, if you, if you don't get a chance to listen, I, I can't remember what MX5 show it was, Ed, but it was hilarious when it with the guy who was naked walking across the road and... Uh, you know, and, and they, they basically there's a few health and safety things that um they couldn't run there for a couple of years. But Steve was like <laughs> through all of them, and it's incredible the stories of what goes into uh, running these events and uh, the planning and talking the to permits. Oh, the police, the you know, health and safety is not just so... actually getting fences like as concerts book them out and other events having the actual quantity needed. Yeah, yeah, just like things we didn't even think of. So, um, yeah, if if, it, if that comes off, then, um, you, know, you know, I think Matley's a, a great place for the nations. And, you know, you know that there's, I think that could be like, a, I think er, I, I heard that Erne as well, Lorenzo, that they must, they already sold 50,000 tickets for the nations. Yes. Which is just yes. incredible. Yeah, Erne I mean, also is uh, his third time in the modern era. It's 2005, 2015, 2023. It's uh, another iconic place. It's another iconic track. Uh, riders love it less, much less than Matali Basin. There's nothing that is loved as Matali Basin. But the, for the crowds, it's incredible as they are like in a natural stadium. They can see everything about the race. 
and they they really see all all what is happening on track. And the French fans are crazy for motocross. It's close to UK, uh, just a one hour of uh, ferry. It's close to Belgium, to Holland, to Germany. Uh, it's a little bit far from Italy, but still uh, we have airplanes uh, to go there. And it's amazing because <clears throat> I've seen, uh, as, I, as I said, my first nation uh, in Erne was in 2005. And since that time, every, every time it's same or better. Uh, and it's amazing to see that we cannot say, oh, how good it was. No, it's still how good it is. How good it is Medley Basin, how good it is Major, how good it is Erne, how good it is motocross today. Yeah, they, I was talking to um, David Luongo um, Sunday. In we, we were kind of talking about sort of tracks and and what goes. I mean, I, I was kind of, you know, as always, everybody's got an opinion about it in front and, and where they're going and what they're doing and everything else. But there's there's a lot of variables that goes into actually someone being able to host um, an event. There's so much what needs to be done now to to get that many people into to the event for like, you know, hard standing infrastructure uh, and so on. And there's obviously some tracks that lend itself very well to that. And there's some tracks which really don't lend themselves well. And the, those ones are, are, are ones which we don't see ourselves going back to very often. And I think it's only right that possibly there's, I, I would say, I don't know if you agree, Lorenzo, but there's probably like eight tracks currently in the world. I mean, outside of America, that have the capability of hosting so like 50,000 fans. I mean, it's going to be more like 60, 65,000 um, in, in a day with people paying on the day and, and, and stuff like that. So like when you think about 65,000 people, you're getting on for like a festival, a huge festival, Yeah. Um, you know, with, with motocross bikes, which are like massively dangerous um, and all these different things. So you're like, there's not that many people like, you know, not many places where you can literally host uh, one of these events. So this is where, you know, us going back to RNA and us going back to to Matali is is kind of the right thing to do. I feel uh, at the yeah. moment until we find more tracks which can can actually host, um, you know, sixty thousand people. Yeah, it was great also when we had it in, uh, for example, in Toishental or in uh, Lommel, but those are some of those places you use you, you you were talking about you know um it's uh, it's really nice on the on the other side it's a little bit sad that we always see the nations in the same countries i mean that there are just few federations that are ready to pay the price of the nations few clubs only that will do it and few places only that can host it uh, because you you will never host in locket uh, grand prix of the nation there's no place enough there's no room there's, you know, it's a shame because it could be nice to see in you know, a different tracks also the nation. But uh, it's because the event is so important and we have that kind of attendance that we have to go on places that can host the um, the event. Uh, about talking about the event, uh, talking about uh, maybe we can start a little bit on a kind of silly season talk. There are not only silly seasons uh, about the riders, but also about the tracks maybe. So, for yes. example, I've heard some rumors. Yes, maybe next year the GP of Spain will move to Galicia, uh, in Lugo, hometown of Jorge Prado, world champion uh, in charge of the MX GP. The track himself is named Jorge Prado, so that's uh, that's uh, I think a unique case as even Tony Cairoli doesn't have a track in his name. I mean, there is a Tony Cairoli track, but it's the small one in Sicily uh, nearby his, uh, his house, the house of his parents, I mean. But uh, I was talking with the father of Jorge and Jorge himself, and I said that the major of the town is trying to do everything possible uh, to involve as more as possible partners and sponsors to have the event. They did already a survey with the, with the, the people from Lugo, asking if they were okay with this, and they are okay with this. The track is really nice. It's where Jorge did this only race this year before going to Argentina. Uh, Fernandez won that race, didn't he, mate? Yes, exactly. And it's it's a beautiful track, he said. Uh, they have to do some work, of course, but they said that, that is 
possible to do it. And it was funny because I was talking with Jorge about first time that he was riding, you know, motocross, because Jorge comes from uh, trial and not from motocross. And uh, he was doing Saturday races on trial, Sunday races on motocross. And then one day the father said, look, we have to take a decision. I cannot do it anymore every weekend like this. So please pick one uh, <laughs> one kind of uh, bike and do, or trial or motocross. And uh, Jorge tell, told me, I, I like to fly. I like to jump. And so I decided to go for uh, motocross. But I was much better in trial. I mean, motocross, I was good, but I was the same good level of the good guys around me. Trial, I was much better than everyone else. And he was racing against, he was like six, eight years old, probably eight years old, in between eight and 10 years old. And was racing alongside uh, kids, 15, 16 years old, winning. And all the guys he was racing with, beating them, are today in the World Championship some of the best riders. So that was, and he said when I was training at the beginning with motocross in Lugo, we were two riders only on track, me and another guy. So uh, it comes really from a, from a country where motocross was nothing. That's why he moved to Belgium and blah, blah, blah. But uh, going there for motocross uh, to do a GP, I think it would be quite nice. We will see another track, another place, a different area. And uh, I think it deserved to have a home GP. And I really, really hope, I saw already some people from uh, Slovenia coming at the GP talking with the Infront. Uh, I hope that we will have also a Slovenian GP uh, one day, because I know that also team is pushing a lot, Team Geyser is pushing a lot for this. He really would like to have a home race. Any news on the yeah. Australian one, mate? Ah, every year. Uh, we say we come to uh, to Australia, we go back to Australia, finally we'll race Australia, it, it never happened. <laughs> and that's to me, is like a big pain because I've been all over the world with motocross instead of Australia. And that's not normal, mate. <laughs> They're on their fifth promoter, Ed. So they need to sort their shit out in Australia. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of talk about Adelaide hosting one and then, you know, tagging along with the Indonesian trips, but that sort of seemed to be fizzling out at the moment, mate. Maybe hold it with the Pro MX round or, you know, on a similar weekend or a separate day, let some of the big hitters in Australia race too. But yeah, it seems like it's probably going to be left off. But what are some of the other things you heard, James, from the weekend, mate? Because there was a lot going on, wasn't there? Yeah, well, track-wise, I heard that, um, you know, I kind of posed some questions in... Uh, it's pretty much going to be the same sort of calendar next year as what it was to to this year. There's not going to be too many surprises. Was it six um, flyaways? Yeah, I think there's going to be six flyaways. They're waiting on waiting to hear back from uh, two two other flyaways. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully that uh, that will materialise because um, obviously they're keen for it to be a world championship with as many countries in as possible. But um, like I think that motocross. yes, yes. <laughs> Like the Super Motocross World Championship. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> many, many countries. <laughs> Everything's a world championship these days. Everything's a world championship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought. Yeah, so silly season news. I think we can kind of see that, uh, or the, the, the rumblings that I'm hearing is possibly um uh complete restructure at uh yamaha which we we kind of heard about what we didn't really want to talk about because it's a bit you know disrespectful to to people until they get sorted but it sounds like um uh calvin vlanderen will finally get a factory ride which is uh which is very exciting so um hopefully we see calvin um uh with yago gertz and uh uh maxime renault at uh, Kamiya, so that could be good. Um, Hutton Metal move into MX2, and um, uh, and there could be some, some uh, a new team into into the EMX250 as well. So um, don't think it's a done deal at the moment, but I think the contract is is nearly done. So hopefully that's uh, that's uh, going to be. Um, hopefully we'll have some more more news on that um, next week. Uh, Kawasaki's tied up with Sewer and. Um, uh, 
in February. So I don't think Kawasaki's got any more money for about the next four years um, <laughs> after banking those two. Uh, what do what, what else do you know, Lorenzo, on the 450 front? Uh, I mean, uh, there are plenty of, uh, of uh, new stuff, as you said. I think that Fantic is making a big move uh, and due to the fact that Madi uh, has moved to to Ducati, as uh, everyone knows, uh, and they are doing testing, 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 uh, and maybe next year they will do some races uh, just to, uh, to to fix the bike and everything, but uh, they do with Madi. So, uh, of course, uh, Fantic was looking for different team, another, another team to... Uh, to replace Madi uh, at the moment, from what I know, they will uh, acting completely different from uh, the the past, uh, completely different from the last seasons. They will have three different teams. Uh, they will try to be more specialized. One will be uh, only MXGP. One will be only MX2. One will be only two strokes and doing, of course, European Championships. So I think the structure will be will work in this way. Uh, so it's a good news for the World Championship because uh, we will have a lot of more uh, bikes on track, more right. bikes on MGP. Uh, we'll try uh, in MGP, but uh, next year we will have, uh, of course, uh, the already on track, and that's a good news. Uh, and then <clears throat> I think that there will be some other changes. For example, Mattia uh, will probably move, staying in the group, staying uh, with the same. Uh, uh, group of uh, um, manufacturer, but maybe uh, move from one to uh, another. And uh, I think that it's quite clear that it will be uh, the next uh, Nesta Uskwarna rider with a 450. So the good news is that Uskwarna is back in the MXGP with a 450. I'm a little bit concerned about uh, what happened with uh, uh, Van der Roy, the, the the team where uh, Calvin Vlanderen is uh, is right now, Geben van den Roy, because I didn't hear nothing about them. I don't know if they will go on, if they change, will they close completely? Uh, definitely, it's always a shame because uh, they have a long story in the last uh, almost 10 years. Alessandro Lupino was riding there with Kawasaki, then they moved into Yamaha. Uh, then, I mean, they had quite interesting, an interesting uh, uh, history and it's always a shame when someone uh, stop and uh, but I uh, it's it's quite normal it happens new stuff arriving uh, some are closing but I think that the MGP will be really packed for next year. Yeah, the um, uh, what else? What else is the rumblings? Um, Honda's going to say the same because obviously Tim and uh, Fernandez were both uh, on a two year contract, so there's going to be no changes there. Um, obviously, Hogmo's been confirmed as Geo's teammate at SR Honda, which is a good first step in MXGP for him. Yep, Suzuki will have no team as as this year and previous years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the one thing which uh, everybody's talking about at the moment is whether Prado will stay in MXGP. The talk is is that uh. You know, what's he got left to win? He's 22 years old. He's won the MX2 World Championship twice. He's won the MXGP Championship once. And he's 22 years old. So he's if he went back to MX2, which he can do, but he would still, he's not, he's still not aged out. So the, the yes. fact, the fact that, you know, and I can see why people are talking about it. And I can see the lure of, um, you know, he's still only 22 years old. Um, you, you know, a US uh is beckoning you know that's that's the that's the rumor mill going full full uh full tilt at the moment but from uh from a 450 point of view i don't think there's yet yeah, uh um geben uh van roy are still up for debate standing i presume jonas is going to stay there revo is going to step him bogers is going to revo um i think uh, talk about Ferrato to standing isn't there Yes, yes, I think so. I think that that's the plan. That's a, uh, Alberto will go there. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised, as honestly, I was thinking that uh, in KTM they could have a different consideration for him, but probably the plan is to have just one MXGP rider with every brand. Uh, so, for what concerns Jorge, 
next year he will remain in MXGP, that's for sure. Uh, he will probably change his number. Uh, he will, uh, uh, but he will stay in MXGP. That's that's uh, sure. Um, but they will do, yeah, one rider in each brand, so one Squarna, one Kawasaki, one uh, KTM, one uh, uh, Gas Gas. But it's a shame because I think Alberto just showed that uh, it could be there, it could be right in front, it could be uh, even winning uh, motos. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I hope he will have. Ever, I mean, nice time there with the tending construct. I don't know if it's the easiest situation for him. The bike is good. I mean, every 450 are good at the moment. But still, I don't know. Uh, for the first time in his uh, career, he will change completely and going uh, on a team that is not Italian. So he will need to... He, he talks really well English. Eh? That's not a problem at all. But he will probably need to move there, to move uh, to Belgium, uh, to do a completely different job and to work with non-Italian mechanics, technician and managers. So that's something completely new. It can be really good. Uh, there's no reason why it's not going well. But I'm interested to see what happened. Because Alberto is a really good guy. is a really... Uh, strong guy, but uh, it's one of those few guys that is in this kind of, uh, uh, you know, is 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 not a factory rider, uh, but he's doing great results. Uh, he's not getting a factory bike, but he's riding well. Uh, and you never know what will happen with him. But it looks like uh, he's coming out from Italy already, so it's something. It's already a first step uh, to build up. A true professional career. And then uh, Brent Van Donick is going to be staying with Jackie Martins. And that takes us quite nicely into MX2 because Camden McKellen will be uh, obviously uh, departing. And that sounds like it could be, if you heard, uh, I don't know if the rumors are Osterhagen um, could be at, uh, Jackie Martins. So that that's another yeah. good sign. riding for Fantic at the moment in um, another up and coming rider. Uh, MX2, um, uh, Benestan, Elzinga, and Bonacorsi. Um, Bonacorsi, yes. yeah, Bonacorsi. Bonacorsi looked really good at Matali. Um, yeah, I think his this year Lorenzo's been been fantastic. He's he seems to be doing all the right things, but I can't believe the size. He's massive. He could like bench press that two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> it's true absolutely true to me he's ready to go in MXGP I will not be surprised in case Mattia will not do it for Erne because Mattia is uh, seriously injured uh, to one calf the right one so if Mattia is not able to ride I would be not surprised that the, the manager will pick up uh, Andrea for the 450 but is Prato going to be okay for the Nations too? Because he was banged up, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Andres ready for the 450. He's uh, absolutely, you know, tall enough, big enough, strong enough, even too much for the 250 probably. Uh, I think the Remix 2 for him will be just one year, no, not more, because... Uh, He's doing well, but uh, but the 450 will suit him better. He's already riding the four the 450 uh, during training, uh, so it's it's and he's really at ease with this bike. He loves to ride the 450, so that's no problem on this. It was interesting the post of Brand Van Donning talking about him. Did you see the post where he said it's nice? Uh, they get, and it was a picture of uh, Jet Lawrence, they get millions, we get medals. Mm. And it was a picture of our riders with the medals. That was quite good enough. <laughs> During Monday morning was uh, when I woke up Brent, with this. <laughs> with the internet of the internet post of the day, I like that. Um, yes. We did actually yes. forget one team, which is um, which is Louis Vosters. Uh, the rumours are that uh, he will be a Yamaha private team. Uh, it sounds like Rohan van der Moosdijk will be there with, I'm guessing, Glenn, Glenn Koldenhoff. Yes. Glenn Koldenhoff, uh, Rohan van der Moosdijk, and maybe another rider, who knows. Uh, do you think a Yamaha private uh, uh, I'm thinking about a different situation. Ooh, uh, would that be a Fantic situation? Yes, I think so. I think so. 
you know, a Fantic 450 is a Yamaha 450. So they have exactly. all the knowledge uh, to work with that bike easy because yeah. uh, I'm, I mean, that's just my impression. I don't know if also in Italy there will be a huge change in Rinaldi. Uh, but that's just my impression. Eh? I don't know if Fantic is doing the big move and take everything, you know, take the factory team in MXGP and the guy to develop the bike in uh, in in Rinaldi. But maybe it's just my impression, just fantasy, yeah? Absolutely fantasy. That's just... Uh, well, would... I think it's an, it will be a very exciting time for Fantic because can you imagine Fantic with um, the resources of what Louis got at his disposal? Yeah. I mean, literally, they yes. could possibly... In that workshop, they could probably put the whole Fantic production line in there if they wanted. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's huge. And uh maybe we'll have a test track inside as well. Um but yeah, that'll be uh that'll be a that'll be that for me is a very, very um interesting partnership. Uh yeah. because Louis Man's perfection wants to win. Um, the resources. Yeah, Fantic could be uh, that could be exciting next year with um, uh, with Koldenhoff as well on there. Um, yeah, sorry. So yeah, that was forgot about that with with MXGP, MX2. I think uh, F and H. I've not heard much about those guys. I think they're waiting for the Kawasaki budget of of which is not that much um, because uh, Sewer and Fevers costing about eight million pounds between them, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, we were hearing uh, some stuff about F and H about Prunier, and you know we're not really sure about what's happening with Braceris, but it's definitely interesting. Speaking of Jack Chambers, yesterday he's definitely coming back for another swing at MX2, which is pretty cool. That's already confirmed, but he's definitely excited, feeling ready to go, and he's wanting podiums, mate. He feels he's got it in him once he can get the fitness back and have a good solid bit of training with Zacco and come back ready to hit it in Spain not England in the winter mate so he's just going to Spain which is a bit friendlier weather than for Florida that's where he's from so be good to see him back and he was mentioning he didn't mind that the big van world boss has that boat in Mallorca he said he was quite a big fan of that with the ladies and even though he was on crutches when he went there he definitely enjoyed it but another one I guess close to you Lorenzo with the gas gas team Mark Antoine Rossi an absolutely exceptional talent shown on many occasions the skills he has a lot of talk about him going on that Gas Gas 250 program. Anything to say on that one? And also his teammate Zanke wants to move up in MX2. So we'll see where he lands as well. Yeah, I think that uh, that Rossi definitely will go, will be the next teammate of uh, Lagenfelder. We saw the kid riding uh, superbly in uh, Martelli Bessin. is really ready to, to do the job. Uh, he has uh, some special talent in riding, uh, I have to say. Uh, in Agda, in Portugal, uh, I was impressed about the way he was cornering at one point, just in front of the pit lane, almost touching with the handlebar on the ground and uh, taking really the corner at full gas. So uh, he's, I think, one of the few of the next generation with a huge talent, a huge personality like Lucas Koenen too, uh, that can really build up a new uh, generation of top riders. I'm a little bit concerned about the other side of the ocean because it attracts so much the talents uh, that grow in, here in Europe. Uh, I think that like the Koenen brothers have already the plan to go there. Uh, Rossi is a French rider. French rider, good rider, winning rider, bam, America. That's always a kind of, you know, uh, you can uh, you can bet on this. So it's a little bit of shame always when you see those kids that can be really represent the future generation for MXGP. Uh, if they go away, it's a shame. Uh, but I understand also that the American dream is still alive and is still really uh, uh, attractive for, for those kids. But uh, Rossi is, uh, is a really good-looking guy, uh, or not only very talented, very fast, and very a good rider. So this mix can really open uh, all the door to him with uh, good sponsors, with uh, uh, big brands and stuff like that. Uh, he comes from uh, from uh, France, but uh, I really with this kind of name, Rossi, and not Rossi, 
you cannot say that it's completely French. So there's a little touch of uh, proud to be proud about for us, for the Italians. I know that he was already here in Rome uh, having meetings. And I don't know if he tested also the bike, but he had for sure a superb dinner. So I was going to say, obviously, speaks Italian and French like you too, mate, and haven't done a podcast with him. His English is very good as well, and he's quite confident, isn't he? He knows the skills he has. He knows the talent he has. We saw what he did at Ernay in France, just slotting straight into the top 10. No worries. Absolutely rapid. But yeah, he's pretty assured, and he knows he's got the skills and the speed to do it. Like you were saying, like Lucas Coonan, he's uh, going to be backing himself and wouldn't be surprised seeing him straight in the top five, would you? Yeah, those guys are a little bit different from uh, the, the the riders, or mostly of the riders in past. I mean, uh, of course, they they are they know uh, how much they're talented, and Zanki is one of those. Also, you will never hear, for example, Bonacorsi talking like that. Uh, Andrea is completely different. You will never hear Lata talking like that. But Zanki, for example, is one of those kids that really know what he want really know that uh, uh, how how much he's talented and it's uh, it's clear that uh, also Ferruccio wants to go to MX2 there's uh, I mean we have to see I think there's one uh, um, big movement in Honda that is going on maybe doing an MX2 team not sure about but I think that uh, Ferruccio is uh, is in this kind of uh, is involved in this kind of discussion at the moment would be nice for him Honda needs to work a lot on those uh, 250, even if we saw, for example, in Majora, uh, with Camden McLillan being uh, in, in front of everyone for all, all moto, all qualifying moto, a part of a couple of laps or one lap only. Uh, so this bike can perform very well. Jackie Martins uh, have done a pretty good job. Uh, but still, I think there is a little lack compared to the Yamaha and the KTM Group bikes. So uh, it would be nice to see Honda investing a little bit more in MX2 and uh, having some kind of factory MX2 bikes from Honda too. One of the uh, one of the interesting things which uh, seems to be developing is uh, uh, Sasha and Lucas Kunin they're not sure where to put them next year. So that's still up for debate. So um, I've heard all different things. They they will stay within the KTM group, but um, sure. there's rumblings that uh, there could be a bit of a, a shift with um, maybe Lucas not being under the, the Nestan tent next year. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible that they decide to swap the two riders to uh, put Lucas on the orange bike, for example, and Sasha on the white bike. Uh, it can be a choice to let uh, have more time uh, to Sasha to grow uh, because the problem of Sasha is just growing, but physically, not as a rider, his incredible skills, maybe even more than his brother. Uh, oh, Lorenzo, I just wanted to ask you about Sasha and Adamo. Adamo was extremely angry about those moves he was putting on during the race. So any chat about that, the arms were waving and it happened twice, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, they were riding completely open and free uh, due to the fact that the championship was gone and uh, there were no no problems. I think that Sasha was enjoying a lot. Matteli Bessini was racing like completely wild. He was engaging duels with everyone on track. Uh, it was, yeah, it, it, it was uh, a pain for, for all the riders, not only for Andrea. Andrea pr- probably wasn't expecting to to see him so quick, so fast, so strong as during the world season. It was uh, really easy to pass him or uh, easy to to get on him. But this time was completely different. And I think, yeah, that it was a little uh, kind of friction going on in between them. I I get to, you know, I haven't seen Lucas for uh, a few GPs because I've not been there, but uh, I was doing some uh, behind the scenes um, video the weekend and uh i went up to him at the end of the thing and i was like oh podcast larry again why <laughs> and i went just like it goes no shit it's a shit weekend a shit track <laughs> he was really really pissed off and i was like so is that a no and he was like oh it's fucking fucking shit <laughs> he was so <laughs> angry and so pissed off about his performance the weekend um and then watch out of the nations. 
No, no, no. It's so funny because as he's like really pissed off and he's washing his own boots. And um, as he's doing that, his brother's just pissing about, grabs the video camera and starts trying to film everybody. And then and then Sasha's ending up um, doing an interview with me. <laughs> that gives you some insight into, into the twins. They're, you know, massively, massively, like it's 16 years old. They just want to win everything. And also yeah. Sasha's not thinking about becoming a videographer. Yeah, it's true. Those kids are incredible. Uh, uh, I told you many times that uh, I've tried to to get him on, on the Bedini bike uh, two years ago before they moved to to Squarna to Jumbo, uh, but uh, it was uh, really a big effort for a small team to have two brother uh, in the team, so it didn't happen. But uh, those kids are really, really special. Huh? Uh, not normal, uh, as uh, Mark Derover will say, not normal. Uh, it's it's something that happens sometime. I remember while I was talking with the father of uh, Hunter and Jet, he, he told me always, you will see one day Jet, you will see Jet one day. And it's quite impressive because I, I had exactly the same feeling many years before in Japan. I was in uh, Sendai train station, four o'clock in the morning, waiting for our train to go back to Tokyo. And I was with Mr. Purcell, with his two kids, Pascal Odiger and uh, and Roger Harvey. We were just there, easy, waiting for our train. And Pascal was talking, of course, French with the, 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 the father of the two, uh, Purcell. And at one time, I entered in the, in the conversation, and he, he he looked at me. I didn't remember what what I what I saw, what I said about uh, Christophe, uh, what about Sebastian? Sorry, the the oldest one. And the father said, "Don't worry, the champion is the other one. Sebastian is a good rider. Christophe is a, a pure talent. Uh, it's some something that you cannot understand." Till the results arrive, but you will see him one day on the top of the world. And he, he was right as the father of Hunter and Jet. And uh, in this case, uh, his fa the father of the Kunan brothers never told me nothing about. But uh, he, I think that he, he feels that Sasha is uh, has this kind of different skill, different skills, different talent compared to his brother. But at the moment, the, the body size, the weight doesn't allow him to push uh, enough uh, with the bike because they nobody is able to, to do suspension for such a performance bike with such a performance ride with this light weight. He's not patient though, mate. Both of them just want the results now. They don't want to wait. There's no settling yeah. in. It's like, nah, we're ready. So it's interesting to see yes. how it plays out. I tell you, they will never ride the MXGP until they back from USA, maybe one day. But they will uh, go away way earlier than this time to pass in MXGP. Yeah. How how cool is this? This is how hum humble the family are. So uh, the mum and dad aren't together. They kind of broke up a couple of years ago. The mum still goes to every single GP. She pays for herself to go to every GP. And um, because obviously money is, is, you know, they're not blessed with loads of money, but she stays in the car. So she she doesn't go to a hotel. She sleeps in the car every every, every GP. Incredible! That's wow. crazy. Isn't it? So you just take it for yeah. granted that all these parents looked after and stuff like that. And them uh, in like uh, their mum and she was saying that like in Indonesia, she had one of the boys going, "Oh my stomach," because you know obviously it, you know Indonesia food. He was ill. Yeah. He just got a bit bad. And Sasha's on the phone going, "Mom, <laughs> my stomach." <laughs> he's literally going between both rooms so oh. um it's a cool little story like I, I like to get the insights in like the behind the scenes from from what goes on but what makes these families tick and and, and it gives you a bit of uh, an idea of um you know these these families and stuff like that at this level they're not just blessed with money you know they have to uh yeah. make every opportunity happen i think we've already seen that with the lawrences yes absolutely it's like that it's uh it's uh, a kind of uh, special stories that happen sometime in between those families with some brothers uh, really talented. Uh, it's always difficult for me to 
imagine why uh, they it's like this and uh, you know but it happens and it's really really nice to see uh, those those kids like the, the Watson brothers like there are many 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 that are uh, all good I mean the Watson I think they were even more than than, than two uh, had brother but two are riding uh, yeah so it's it's quite cool but it doesn't happen so often uh, we were talking with uh, about coincidence and stuff like that uh, we had last time about the fact that uh, Andrea won his title exactly the same day when Tony won his first title and then we discovered that Tony won also his last title on the same day 17 September so kind of coincidence uh, like uh, the brothers or stuff like that uh, that are riding twins. I never heard about twins like the Sasha, the the Kunan brothers. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Lorenzo, because uh, we um, we're gonna have to let you go because it's very late in Italy, and we uh, spent uh, we we had a, a, a different kind of podcast which we uh, had between <laughs> us. Before. Yes, but um. Before we go, we're not going to be able to talk to you next week because you have um, about eight different jobs um, next week. But one thing I'm interested in is uh, your predictions. What are your top three for the nations next week? I will let you know my top three prediction uh, from the Paddock Talk uh, live on a mixgptv.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we will try to do some, some noise from the Paddock uh, and uh, having some chat with some, you know, cool person, cool guys, inside, maybe yourself, why not? If I meet you uh, uh, when I'm there in the paddock with my cameraman, uh, I will maybe stop you and ask you, how was the race? Uh, for the rest, uh, someone is saying that maybe, maybe Australia is the best team uh, out there. I don't know. For me, the favourite is France, uh, the favourite overall. How is Renault's injury? He Yes, that, that's that's uh, that, that's something. Uh, and then all around, I see a few of the best teams with the same possibility to be on the podium. On those, I see Australia, Belgium, uh, Germany, uh, Holland, uh, and that's all, I think. Well, um, Hunter Lawrence is uh, injured at the moment as well. Uh, he's not going to be 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's going to be interesting. One thing we haven't sort of talked about is we we done recently a podcast with Mitch Evans, mm. and uh, in in uh, you know I, I did speak to Mitch quite quite a lot. And Mitch has just gone dark. We haven't seen him in the last two GPs. Um, you know the 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 team are kind of saying that maybe the the wrist is not as good as is what we thought. So um, it'd yeah. be a real shame if uh, Mitch was to bow out of, uh, you know, of, of GPs and racing. So um, yeah, just thought I'd bring that one up obviously because we're talking nations, but um, yeah, Hunter Lawrence is, 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 is not too good for Atto. We, we're not sure about um, Matea. Matea. Yeah. So there's we're, is, obviously yeah, quite two, weeks, uh, two weeks to hill up, which is actually is quite a long time for a motocross rider because by that end they've had like a, three different plates, six bolts and, um, you know, they've done 18 press-ups in, in 50 laps. So I'm sure they'll be fine, but, um, yeah, it's a bit worrying that we're going into the nations and there are a few injuries. So, and I don't think we can rule out the, uh, the American E-team as well. No, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> It'll be interesting. That's I think it. Germany is going to be a really good one to watch. Obviously, Roxon, it's going to be so cool you guys being there to get to see Kenny. It'll be amazing on that Suzuki. So much buzz and vibe as if it already wasn't there, you know. So, But yeah, obviously, Cock, I've spoken to him too. Really good, humble rider. And you think back to that 2021 season where he got eighth overall at Trentino when all the heavy hitters were pretty much healthy. He obviously did the same result last weekend at Madeley. So he's coming into some nice form. Really just a heavy hitter in the ADAC series. That's a no-joke series. So he's definitely one of the elite guys in that. And then Simon sort of speaks for himself been absolutely electric since the injury and even in that spain win obviously the second motos haven't quite gone to plan obviously the qualifying races and the moto ones have been exceptional but yeah germany will be excellent and obviously spain prado fernandez bracera is very interesting and i guess if you look at netherlands Belandron, kaldenoff and de wolf that's a potential winning team so there's a lot yes. out there to get excited about isn't there and even if you go through the lists you go to your switzerland sweden's latvia's great britain even could do some great stuff. Canada's a great team, so it's a pretty stacked. Hang on, 
when you said Great Britain there, I think you'd exaggerated a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, mate, we've already been on the whole Great Britain thing with Sterry and the factory KTM that was, uh, we've been there. But the team's good, mate. You've got some great riders, you know, you what, riders, I, so we'll see how they go. I think we've got to manage expectations. And if we get in the top 10, that would be a, a, a fantastic result for um, for Team GB. I mean, nah, if, they get a podium, if they get a podium, mate, I'm stripping and I'm going to run around <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> Watch out for that interview. I with agree with you. Yeah. I agree with yeah. you. I agree completely with you. Uh, I want to just say a last word before we end this great podcast uh, uh, that was a few times hilarious, but I want to close with uh, uh, something serious. Uh, as uh, in Matali Basin was the last GP for Alessandro Lupino. Uh, Alessandro uh, was in the paddock uh, since 2007. He, he, he has done 17 seasons and uh, 224 GPs. Uh, podiums uh, in uh, with the 250, but uh, never with the uh, MX1 MXGP while he was fourth as his best results. He won one nation, talking about nation in 2021 in Italy, and that is, of course, his highlight of career alongside with the top 10 he did with uh, the MRT KTM uh, team, uh, Marchetti based in Viterbo, is uh, east town, the town where he's born. Uh, Alessandro is a really humble person, he's a policeman, he's a family man with two fantastic daughters and an incredible wife, uh, he's, but he's a family man doing this as a job. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He's a world champion, Italian champion, a European champion, 85. This maybe at one time was uh, uh, his problem because then the Carly take him directly from 85 to 250 alongside with Tony Cairoli and that was a shock I think for him. But still, uh, he made it for 17 years. Uh, he was riding uh, Beta, KTM, Uskwarna Factory with Ilario Ricci team, Yamaha, uh, of course, Kawasaki. Uh, plenty of bikes, plenty of different teams, plenty of professional teams. He was riding for CLS Kawasaki. He was riding for Gabben van der Roy. He was riding for De Carli. He was riding for plenty, many teams, Ilario Ricci, Yamaha and Uskwarna. Uh, the iconic picture of him giving the finger with uh, with the in Germany with those Squarna 250 just turning around and giving the finger to his rival uh, was pairing a little bit with the crash with Paul Jonas uh, during the practice in Metalin Bess in uh, last week as he was uh, with the first three intermediate was fifth uh, but he didn't make it for the lap because at the last corner. Uh, yeah, the crash with Polsky. Pols, of course, wasn't by purpose, but I saw <laughs> the poor Lupino on ground screaming <laughs> against uh, Pols uh, because he ruined his lap. At the end, it was eight overall uh, at the time and practice, but it was really good. And I saw a really nice scene in the uh, starting on the starting grid with those two guys just chatting each other, having fun and saying, sorry, sorry, I saw you too late. You were too fast. I wasn't expecting you to be so fast. I know, mate, I know it's not your fault. So it was great. Uh, it shows a lot of respect, but uh, really a lot of respect for Alessandro Lupino, uh, seven-time Italian champion, five-time MX1 Italian champion and uh, a great man, first of all. Yeah, the, uh, the thing for me, Lorenzo, is uh, Lupino over the years, he is just the nicest person in the paddock, the most humble person uh, in the paddock in every single time, no matter if he was tired, shit race, good race, whatever. Uh, Alessandro, can we, can we do a podcast? Alessandro, can we talk? Yeah, no problem. I'll just put my children <laughs> down. I'll just do whatever. and. <laughs> That's a great guy, you know. I don't think there could be anybody. He's one of those guys, just a really good human being. Where I don't think no one's got a bad word to say about him. Yeah, and uh, it's a, it's best friend of Tony, and that says a lot. There are three really good friends: it's Tony, Alessandro Lupino, and uh, Matteo Bonini, uh, another uh, former teammate of Tony and of Lupino. And uh, this group of of guys uh, has really stick together for a long time, and they're really. Good guys. Ah, uh, also, um, uh, sorry to. Uh, you, I know you need to go to bed, Lorenzo. But um, <laughs> I was, 
one of the things which I didn't realize the other day is that Tony got invited to Juventus because uh, Juve have um, his bike and his kit in a, in the actual um, stadium. Yeah, I, I shipped them. Actually, I shipped to them, oh. not the bike, of course, but the clothes. I thought you said you shit them. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's on no, Juventus. No, no. Last year, right. Ben. <laughs> that was now funny. That was nice. Tony's a great fan of Juventus. <laughs> Tony's a great fan of Juventus. They provide him with a shirt, of course, with Tony Cairoli on. But, uh, you know, the Juventus Stadium, uh, Ed knows for sure, is one of the most modern facilities mm. for football in Europe. Really nice. And there is shops inside. There is restaurants inside. But there is a museum. as a sport museum where... The, all the sportsmen that cheers for Juventus uh, have their own stuff there. So there's like a, a statue of Tony with his clothes on and everything on and the bike and, uh, and he's in this kind of Juventus museum. So it's really nice. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I thought I'd just drop that one in because, um, yeah, I knew you'd, <laughs> I knew you'd about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have also, I can tell you also that I think that Gilles, uh, was there uh, with Chase, uh, hoping that maybe Chase will be football player one day and not motocross rider. <laughs> but I think that we're all wrong because this yeah. kid already shows some skills. Yeah, he he loves the bikes, hey. So um, I I think she's lost that battle. Yes, <laughs> Lorenzo, it's fantastic to have you on. I will catch up with you um in about uh, where are we in a week's time in Erne. Sundays, yes, in uh, Friday in Erne. Uh, so yeah, due to the time now, it will be nine days. But yeah, uh, yeah it will be a pleasure to to see you there in Erne, the biggest event of the year. I hope it will be great. And uh, honestly, I hope now I change a little bit my mind, and I hope that UK will do it. Uh, great Britain will do it for the podium. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think UK. <laughs> We're going for a top 10, but I'm just trying to play it down, take the pressure off a comrade um, and a team, and we probably will win it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Good job, guys. Ciao. Yeah, thanks yeah. again for taking the time, mate, and all the best with everything. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Lorenzo. <laughs>